The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Welcome into the Kist and Solak Show, your source for the best Philadelphia Eagles news and analysis presented to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Unfortunately, today I'm going to be without Benjamin Solak. He was at the game covering the game, the Eagles-Jets preseason bonanza. Very exciting game, a 10-9 win for the Eagles. We're going to be less concerned with breaking down that game because there's more concerning news coming down the hill. Maybe not concerning, but more important news coming down the hill with the 53-man roster cuts coming soon. So we're going to kind of view this game through that prism. We're going to go through each position, see how many people that I would keep uh, for each one who I think the Eagles will keep. And we're going to break down those players. We're going to talk about those battles, and we're going to see who I think makes the final 53. So, I mean, really not much further ado needed. Let's start with the 53-man roster projection. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Uh, This is easy. It's Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Nate Sudfeld. Sudfeld has shown signs of why the coaching staff has been so high on him when talking with the media. He's shown an improved deep ball accuracy, notably in the New England Patriots game for week two. And he's got serious tools to work with and cultivate. And it's a great situation for him. Like we talked about on Fireside Chats with Mark Schofield recently. He looks like the backup for the future. So there's zero reason to make the mistake that the Washington Redskins made by stashing him on the practice squad. And how about Christian Hackenberg tonight? How fun is he to watch? Moving on. We'll go to the uh, running backs. That's three for the quarterbacks. This is where things get tricky, and it's with the running backs here. And in Brandon Lee Gowton's roster projection after week three, not only did he correctly point out how silly the fourth running back debate is, considering only three will typically dress on game day, but he also pointed out that the Eagles may try to stash Josh Adams on injured reserve 
due to him dealing with a knock. BLG has it Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, and Wendell Smallwood making the team. Smallwood was basically pushed into obscurity by the emergence of Clement last year. And that emergence by a local boy UDFA is something I believe is painting Josh Adams in a favorable light that isn't particularly accurate regarding Adams, who is also a local boy UDFA. The hit rate on these undrafted guys is being summarily ignored by the fan base in regard to Adams due to the success of Clement, in my opinion. And I'll be honest, I just don't see it with Adams. And yeah, he's had a nice preseason when given the chance and shown some nice finisher qualities, but I'm not anywhere near as high on him as it seems everybody else is. And, and you can disagree with that, and that's fine. And if he ends up making a splash like Clement, I'll be the first to sing his praises. But I just don't think we're being realistic about his chances here. And, and although I'll say it's hard to properly evaluate running backs without access to the end zone angle. But again, I just don't see anything about him that, that really stands out. And that said, if, if I had to pick, I'd have him making this team over Smallwood. For me, Smallwood is basically like the Jalen Watkins of his position. Just a dude that has had opportunities to carve out a role for himself that's never made good on it, and any kind of positive momentum that he's ever experienced was quickly washed away by some type of injury. However, that does not mean that I think Adams is actually on the roster in an active manner at the end of this, like I mentioned before, and I agree with Benjamin Solak that they only keep three and see what shakes out from the dozens of other running backs that get left out league-wide once the roster cuts down to 53 happens. So running backs are three, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, and Darren Sproles. Moving on to the wide receivers, unquestionably, the top performing wide receivers from this preseason were Shelton Gibson and DeAndre Carter, and both of them did what they needed to do in the return game. I was impressed with Gibson's ability to eat cushion, slip in the defensive back's blind spot before accelerating past and then stacking and tracking, but there are still concerns around his game. The question for me is, is he a legit deep threat? And I think he can be, and then if he is a legit deep threat, is he just a one-trick pony? And look at that one trick. If you can consistently flash it and be productive and explosive, it's very valuable. And teams that create explosive plays don't style out nearly as much. And the Eagles have been good in that area and improved markedly from 2016 to 2017 in creating chunk yardage. And if Gibson can add to that, that's a big plus for this team. The problem with his game is dealing with contact and play strength. It was on his tape in college. It's been showing up on his tape in the preseason. He struggles to deal with press, contact throughout the route stem, and physicality at the catch point. That's going to severely hamper his ability to contribute in the short to intermediate areas if he can't find ways to more effectively deal with that contact. So that remains to be seen, but I do believe that he has definitely shown uh, enough to make this roster without question. I also believe he has earned a chance at more meaningful reps. 17 snaps last year, right? Only 43 snaps on special teams. The snaps he's vying for as the season moves along and Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and Matt Collins get to health are the snaps that need to be replaced from Marcus Johnson's departure, who took 146 offensive snaps last year. He's going to have to hold off DeAndre Carter, though, in that regard. At least that's my opinion. Uh, he has shown... Carter has a knack for finding spots in zone voids and has some really intriguing athletic tools at his disposal. I think both those guys make this team. So from there, it's a matter of who gets first crack or who makes the most of their first crack at seeing somewhere between 10 to 20% of the snaps throughout the season. And it just may come in week one, depending on how things shake out. So wide receivers, I got six. Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Wallace, 
Nelson Aguilar, Mac Hollins, Shelton Gibson, and DeAndre Carter. And with that depth chart there, man, I love the different skill sets represented and the different alignments with that depth from that group. That leaves Rashard Davis, Greg Ward, etc. on the outside looking in. And that is despite Ward's beautiful diving catch before the half tonight, which was impressive. And Mike Mayock said on the broadcast tonight that Kamar Aiken makes the team and Carter doesn't. Of course, I'm going to disagree. Hopefully he doesn't know something I don't know, which knowing Mayock, he just might. Uh, I just thought it was funny that right after he said all that, that Carter followed immediately with a first down catch. And then he downed a punt inside the 10. And yeah, later on, he did have a drop. He did have a drop later, but that hasn't been an issue for him in the preseason or in camp, so I'm not going to beat him up for it. So six for the wide receivers again. Tight end group. This all depends on Richard Rodgers and his health, as he was recently seen in a bulky knee brace, but I'm just going to operate. Well, I don't know. That's that's That would be a bit of an assumption. So, okay, let's talk about the other guys, though. Billy Brown hasn't done anything, and it looks like the staff likes Josh Perkins more. So if there's a fourth, it's likely Perkins. Considering what I have going on for the rest of the roster, I'll shoot my shot and say it's Perkins, or maybe who is it? Um, Anthony Anthony Denham. You know what? Let's go with Denham. Screw it. So we'll go uh, with tight ends here. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Richard Rodgers, and Anthony Denham. And side note, man, Dallas Goddard. Uh, he's had some up and down moments, but there has been some exciting peaks in his game and he's been extremely efficient as a route runner. So the second round pick is looking good and those two tight end sets are going to crush it again for the Eagles. Moving on to the offensive line. Okay, so let's run through the starters. Jason Peters, Stephen Wisniewski, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. And one point that I'll bring up before getting into the depth here. We have talked about concerns with the line, but let's make no mistake about it. This starting five, no matter how you rank them, 1 through 32, is in the elite stratosphere. Also, coming into the season and not having to play a guard-by-committee approach like they did early last season while they figured things out at that left guard position is going to be great for them. So that continuity is very helpful and encouraging. Beyond that lies the question. We've covered Big V ad nauseum, Halapuli Vati Vaitai, not only on these shows, but on BleedingGreenNation.com as well. I did a deep dive on his tape. Uh, one note on that before we move forward. Coming into tonight, he ranked dead last, 14th out of 14 for Eagles offensive line in pass blocking efficiency, according to Pro Football Focus, allowing a gigantic 13 pressures. That's worse than Matt Pryor, Taylor Hart. That's worse than Jordan Mailata, and so on and so forth. And, and as far as who makes this team pass those starting five? Big V is still a roster lock, so that's six. The team likes Isaac Somalu's versatility and contributions when the team goes to heavier and or unbalanced sets, so he's in that seven. Matt Pryor, I think, has done enough to land on this roster and develop him at guards. So that's eight. And look, how crazy is it that teams would be tripping over themselves to grab a hold of Jordan Mailata if we tried to stash him on the practice squad? You know, a lot of people were angry with the Mylotta pick when it happened and, and thinking it was a throwaway. But the fact of the matter is the Eagles gifted offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland with a mound of clay. And Stoutland, to this point, has begun building it into what we hope will become his magnum opus. And he's still got a ways to go. But I agree with Ben and BLG that he sticks on the roster and we go with nine offensive linemen. 
So there's nine there. That makes 25 in all uh, for the offensive side. And I, I feel like that 53rd spot, uh, which could swap very quickly depending on our situations with the pup list and guys coming you know, back in healthy, when the running backs start hitting the market, uh, that would likely shave off from the defensive side. So the defensive side is really, I think, uh, other than the fourth tight end position, I think it's the defensive side that's going to get hit with those cuts when things start to change. Um, not only that, you know, like I mentioned, Chris Maragos, Timmy Jernigan would likely start the season on pup. And Nigel Bradham has a one-game suspension, which for this purpose gives them an additional roster spot to start. So the 53 right now may look a little different very soon, uh, but we are working in the current parameters for this show for this exercise. But before we get to the defense, let's take a quick breather. Something I want to tell y'all. I wanted to take the time to remind you that we love all of you and thank you for your support. We continue to be moved by your support and kind words, and the fact that we have so quickly gone over 300 five-star ratings on iTunes, well over 120 written reviews, it's sending a huge message about what you value in the type of content you want to consume. And here at Bleeding Green Nation, we pride ourselves on providing you with the most detailed, well-informed analysis in the game. And you can trust us to not throw out hot takes just for the sake of clickbait. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what's encouraged here. And if we do have a take you consider medium hot or spicy, you can bet it's because we poured hours of research and film work into it and you can bank on it being challenged if the other hosts here think it's outlandish. Now, if you've been with this core group of guys that we have here for a while, and that's myself, BLG, Benjamin Solak, John Stolas, you know that our top priority is giving you quality information to help you become more knowledgeable about the game and the team that you love so much. So keep those five-star ratings and reviews coming and let your voice be heard. Again, we appreciate it. And trust me, the love is mutual. All right, so thank you for indulging me with that. Let's run through the defense, and we will go from front to back. So let's start with the defensive line. This one seems like one of the easier ones. And talking about locks, you've got Fletcher Cox, who is looking like a man desperate to win himself a Defensive Player of the Year award, if I've ever seen one. Um, you know what's funny? I remember some writers that were really questioning the Cox extension, and boy, oh boy. Uh, are they quiet on that front now, which is which is great to see. So, yeah, then you got Helodinata, the newcomer, lock that in. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Michael Bennett, Chris Long, all locks. I mean, how terrifying are all those guys together? The freedom that it gives Jim Schwartz to be creative and threaten with different looks and unleash guys. And the stunts that they can bring, the boost it gives his bliss packages, and, and even then, lineup. Graham, Bennett, Cox, Barnett across the line. Let them pin their ears back and just go. You don't always have to be fancy with it all the time. You can just let them straight up get after it in a, in a traditional pass rushing type role and be effective. Uh, so that's six locks right there. I think they keep four more. So let's discuss those. Steven Means, man. This is a dude that doesn't get enough love outside of the building, uh, but they definitely love him inside of it. So he makes seven and he had a strip sack tonight. Could be happier for him. Dude is a leader. If you saw some of the pregame stuff, he was the one uh, giving the speech before the game. He's always teaching people. They had a great story about him teaching up uh, Jordan Mailata, what he saw and how he beat him on a rep in training camp. And he's just a great locker room guy that has earned everything that he gets in this sport. Uh, Josh Sweat, the rookie, the fourth rounder, he's had a solid camp and he's flashed in the preseason. So make him eight. And now what you're looking for is interior depth with the defensive tackles. Uh, Michael Bennett does uh, help 
with this because he can kick into that four eye. You can move him around, which is nice. Um, and I and I think the rest of the depth comes from Destiny Vio and Bruce Hector for a total of ten. And look, we gassed up Bruce Hector, uh, me and Benjamin Solak did, uh, the undrafted free agent from USF. Uh, we gassed him up in the Browns recap show because he was having his way with the Browns offensive line. And I'm excited for him to get some playing time and develop as the season moves along. So boom, 10. 10 for the defensive line as a whole. They'll try to stash rookie Joe Osman on the practice squad, but I, I doubt he sticks. Uh, I think it was Dave Phipp, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Phipp or Schwarzer who liked him, and it was a big reason why Osman took his chances trying to make it here despite the existing depth. Uh, so you never know. But the deck is definitely stacked, and I would be surprised if he was able to make this team. We're on to linebackers. Remember that Nigel Bradham is suspended for Game 1 against the Atlanta Falcons in the rematch of the divisional playoffs, which the Eagles won, uh, if you don't remember. So he doesn't count against 53 here. In terms of starters or locks, you're looking at the returning Jordan Hicks, Kamu Grugier-Hill, Nate Gary, um, and a quick word on Kamu, man. We have, we have been watching more of him lately. And his athleticism and coverage skills just really, really pop out. And I, I went back to watch Sidney Jones in Week 17 against Dallas, and he had some he had some really good reps when he got some some playing time then. And yeah, preseason, 15 coverage snaps, one reception allowed for negative two yards, ain't too shabby. And last year when he saw extended action again, he he was awesome. So I think that's been consistent for him again at that Cowboys game. 16 coverage snaps, two targets, one reception, eight yards. Uh, that's what you want to see. So he's a lock and likely a starter at will for the season. So that's three guys right there. So Hicks, Kamagruje Hill, and Nate Gary. You add Leroy Reynolds and Joe Walker and you get five. You got to think Reynolds and Walker are in trouble when we start getting guys back, including Bradham, especially when you consider how much we can utilize Malcolm Jenkins in the box from nickel. Uh, I would like to say it's Walker that's on the out since Bradham returns or once Bradham returns. But as Benjamin Solak has pointed out in his projections, you just get the sense that the coaching staff trusts him more uh, than we do personally here at BGN. So Reynolds may find himself on the outs here soon, which I like him more than Walker. And he played really well against the Jets tonight, flashing on a couple of really good reps early. It'll be interesting to see if that can move the needle for him. I mean, you watch Joe Walker in coverage, and it's just, it's bad. It's its so bad. I don't know how you roster a guy like that in this day and age in a passing league, but here we are. I know he's got some special teams uh, juice to him, but I mean, how much, how much, really? So again, five linebackers, and then decisions need to be made after that once Bradham comes back. That brings us to a grand total of 40, which leaves 13 roster spots open for the defensive backfield and special teams. So special teams real quick. I mean, let's just call Cameron Johnston, who has been incredible this offseason in the preseason training camp. Uh, I know he struggled a little bit in training camp, but in the preseason, he's been awesome. Make him our starting punter. He's a lock. Lock in Jake Elliott for obvious reasons. Also lock in Rick Lovato as the long snapper. So that leaves 10 open roster spots. So as we work through these defensive backs, let's start with cornerbacks. 
And you can lock in Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, and Sidney Jones. There's your starting trio for the nickel package. And I've got this article pinned to my Twitter profile, by the way, at Michael Kist NFL. I did a deep dive on every Sidney Jones snap from his regular season game against Dallas last year, week 17, to his preseason snaps this year, and even took a peek back at his college tape and broke his game down to establish a baseline of where I think he is as a player in his development right now in this this fixed point of time, which I, I felt very encouraged by what he saw. And there has been a lot of debate around if he's better suited on the outside or in the nickel position. I think he can play both. His foot quickness, his mental processing, his ball skills, and route recognition, they all point to a guy that in my eyes will be just fine in that nickel spot. So Check out that article if you want a more detailed look on Jones. It's, pre- it's pretty long. It's about 2,000 words, but I promise you he's got plenty of visual aids and, and all that stuff. I, I, I think it's a good one for you to get a better feel for who Sidney Jones is because I feel like there's a lot of rhetoric around him um, that's not really founded in fact. So get yourself uh, on that article there. Beyond the starters, you got to think that the youngins, Rasul Douglas and Avante Maddox, land on the roster as developmental guys that can fill in on dime packages and play some special teams. Maddox showed some flashes in the preseason. He has also showed that there is a ways for him to go from a technique and play strength standpoint. But overall, I like his game. He's got some real explosion to him. And if he can play more discipline in his technique and add a little bit to his frame, I think that he can really shine uh, in the future. And Douglas Sewell, you know, I like him. Uh, For me, he's an outside guy purely. And he's got to be more patient at the line from press. There are warts in his game from off coverage for sure. But when he's on and can be physical and use that arm length and strength, he can be a real hassle. Uh, You just got to see more. But he is making this roster, in my opinion. I don't think there's much of a question around that. And he had a decent game tonight from what I saw so far. The real question here from this group is Devontae Bosby, the guy whose name started to flare up during camp when he started taking some nickel rips and has since cooled. And I'm not sure under different circumstances that he makes this roster, but to me, he's better and more reliable than the other fringe guys out there. So I'm going to slap him on with an outside shot for Channon Sullivan, who I think they try to get on the practice squad. He had a solid game and an interception. Uh, I would not be shocked if Sullivan made it over Bosby. I just think Bosby, you know, has has more uh, more reliability to his game. They know what he is more so than they know what Channon Sullivan is right now. So that makes it Darby Mills, Jones, Sewell, Maddox, and Bosby for six, which leaves us with four. I think three of those four are obvious for safety. Malcolm Jenkins, of course, the heartbeat and veteran leader of the secondary. You got him and Rodney McLeod. You throw in Jim Schwartz, buddy, Corey Graham for three. And the question there is Trey Sullivan or Jeremy Reeves, since you assume Chris Marigo starts on the pup list. I'm a fan of Reeves, especially as a tackler, even though he can get a little wild. I got to see him play and practice in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. He was very good in coverage there, too. He's one of the better-looking safeties there. But at this point, I think it's Trey Sullivan who cleaned some things up after starting off rough in the preseason. I do hope that Reeves is able to stick on the practice squad, though, because I think there's something there down the line. So Jenkins, McLeod, Graham, Sullivan, boom, that's four, and that's 53, and our job here is done, folks. As always, I am available for debate or discussion on Twitter at NFL. if you see these things differently. You'll hear me again very soon, this time with my co-host Benjamin Solak for the next Kist and Solak show on Monday. We will be doing over and unders for the season. We're looking at a team level, an individual level, as we finally start to transition to the games. 
that count in the win-loss column. Hallelujah. Uh, Remember, subscribe, rate, review, and help us continue to bring you this content because we all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.